Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today on a gorgeous Minnesota day. Way to go, you made it to church. Sometimes it takes an effort to get here, but uh, you, you made it, so way to go. I also wanna welcome those of you watching online around the country and world. We do consider you to be a part of our congregation as well, so welcome to you today. This is the final message in our series called Seven Words to Change Your Life. I've really enjoyed this series. I don't know about you, but I, I absolutely love the final word we're talking about today. The final word is wow. And I think God actually loves the word wow. Otherwise, what would be the point of taste? For example, we didn't need taste to survive but God wanted to wow us, so he gave us several thousand taste buds throughout our mouth, on our tongue, and our cheeks uh, so that we could be wowed. And then God gave us chocolate. And there's, you know, we didn't need chocolate to survive. There's absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever in chocolate. But when we, our taste buds meet chocolate, God knew there was going to be a wow going on inside here. For Jason, you know, it's bacon and Sour Patch Kids. There's no reason for any of those things except to wow people like Jason whose taste buds haven't matured beyond that of a four-year-old. <laughs> My wife wows me. First time I saw her, I was 15 years old, and I was wowed. And then she avoided me and rejected me and said she wanted nothing to do with me. But then she married me, and I've been wowed ever since that day. The human heart wows me. Do you know that every single day your heart beats 100,000 times? 100,000 times your heart just beats, just does its deal, circulating 2,000 gallons of blood through you, through 67,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries inside your body, 67,000 miles, that should wow you. But I wonder what does wow you today. I think we ought to walk around all day long just wowed by all sorts of things, but many people, I think, have lost their wow. You know, the, main, the moment a baby is born, it's just wow beyond words. When each of our kids were born, I cried. And I was wowed. A month later, after no sleep and a whopping hospital build, I cried again. <laughs> and there was no wow. First time I saw a giant redwood tree in California, I almost drove off the road and caused an accident. I said to my wife, look at that, it's unbelievable. 20 trees later, it was like, eh, seen it. And I lost my wow. You know, the Timberwolves playoff game I was at uh, four weeks ago, there was light shows and fireworks, up-close camera shots was incredible. And all this wow was going on, and there was a guy in the front row, right in the front row, courtside, fiddling with his phone the entire time and never looked up to watch the game. Oh, what's wrong with you? I want your seat. <laughs> the halftime show at this game had... had uh, two guys and a gal, they were doing acrobatics, and the guys had this four-inch wide beam on their shoulders straddled across each other, and this gal was sitting, standing on top of this beam, and they were just launch her 50 feet into the air, and she'd come down and land on that four-inch wide beam, no pads, no ropes. I mean, she, one miss, and she would have been dead, and it was spectacular. But the crowd yawned. You know, a little clap, like, what else you got? I'm like, man, we've lost it, we've lost. I think that's a terrible way to live. It's a joyless 
way to live. I, I wanna walk around every single day wowed by how miraculous life is. I wanna be like the little kid who was so wowed by everything that they finally said, let's do an experiment on this kid. Let's see if we can get him to complain about just one thing. And so they said, we're gonna lead you to a room full of toys. But instead they filled it with manure, ceiling high manure. And they led this kid to this, this, this room, thought it was gonna be toys. They opened the door and they said, what do you think about that? And the kid said, oh boy, with all this manure, there's gotta be a pony in here somewhere. I wanna be like that. I wanna be like that little kid, so I wanna touch on three reasons to be wild. There's thousands I could talk, talk about, but three reasons why we ought to walk around saying there's gotta be a pony in here somewhere. First wow is this, wow of creation. Bible says it this way, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handiwork. Every single day, the earth spins and rotates at just the right speed, causing the sun to shine through our bedroom window every single morning without fail. Gang, to think that this enormous globe is suspended in space without any cables, without any structures holding it in place. There's no machine causing it to spin. And the earth does two things that should just wow the socks off of every one of us. It is spinning right now at 1,000 miles per hour, just spinning 1,000 miles an hour. And it is rotating around the sun, orbiting around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. We are screaming through space at just the right speed. Any faster and we'd fly off the surface, any slower and we'd burn up from the heat. Question, here's a great question, I just thought about this. Why does the earth spin? Think about it, why? There's no reason for the earth to spin except that God willed it so at just the right speed every single day. And the moon, just hanging out there, the moon, is just the right size and just the right distance to stabilize the Earth's tilt so that the tides and gravity work perfectly for life to exist. Any variation in any of these things, the precision of any of these things, and we're all dead. And to know that there's just two possible explanations, that it's either all by chance or that a supreme being wowed it that way, there's no third option. Either all by luck or all by God. Why does the earth spin and rotate? Why is our sun the only star out of billions and billions of stars that is just the right size and just the right distance for life to exist? No other reason except this Psalm, Psalm 148. Let the sun, moon, stars, and highest heavens praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place, look at this, forever and ever. So if you're worried about the sun burning out, don't worry about that. He set them in place forever and ever. No other reason except that God wowed it and wanted it. How about the Big Bang? You know, most scientists say that the universe started dramatically with a Big Bang. Just like it says, by the way, in Genesis 1.1 that God created the heavens and the earth, boom, and there it was. They're just saying what the Bible says all along. 
You know, scientists say at one time everything we know was contained in something called the singularity, smaller than the size of a pinhead. But then that singularity, they say, exploded and formed our vast universe, and maybe that's how God did it. None of us were there. So maybe that's how God did it, exploded everything into place through a kind of Big Bang, and there is some evidence for that. But think of this. When I was a kid, I loved fireworks, still do. M80s, cherry bombs, black cats, the big stuff. You know what happened every time I blew something up? Every single time, there was a loud explosion, and then bits and pieces of shrapnel just everywhere, destruction. Not once did things come together in perfect order. Not once. When a bomb explodes, what never happens are things coming together in perfect order and symmetries, symmetry. Explosions actually blow things up. They don't form a beautiful earth spinning and rotating at the perfect speed around the sun for life to exist. There has to be a God behind that. Alan Sandage was an atheist. Sandage received the equivalent of the Nobel Prize in astronomy and honors from around the world. He was invited to a debate one time between atheists and theists, and everybody thought he was going to side with the atheists because that's, that's what he was. But what people didn't know is that Alan Sandage, at age 50, had become a Christian because of science. As he studied how the world worked, he thought, there's got to be a God. And he said to this stunned audience at this debate, the Big Bang was a supernatural event that cannot be explained within the realm of physics. The sudden emergence of matter, water, energy, and life points to the need for some kind of supreme being, do you think? And Alan Sandage turned from being an atheist and put his trust in God. Sandage just repeating what the Bible's been saying for a thousand, thousands of years. The heavens, gang, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The famous astro astronomer William Paley said this, if you were walking along a path and found a watch, you would immediately know that somebody had made that watch. A watch points to the existence of a watchmaker. He says nobody picks up a watch on the beach and says, look what the forces of nature put together by chance. And yet that's what a lot of people do. We all know a watch has a maker, a creator, but just glance from the watch to your hand. I mean, our hand and our thumb and our fingers shows far more complexity and design than any watch. I mean, I can just, you know what I mean? It's just doing all kinds of, I'm not even thinking about it, right? You know, it's, it can just do that. Far more complexity, far more design than any watch. Again, the only possibilities for everything that exists, including your dog, your cat, kids, birds, fish, is that it's either pure luck, it exploded, or God's wow, God was behind it in creation. But it's not just that. Part of creation that wows me. I, I'm wowed by creation all the time. There's a bulb that pushes up through our mulch every spring. And you know, flower people can explain how a seed dies, germinates, and grows into flowering lily, but no one can create that or explain why it happens. 
There's life in that bulb. That cedar bulb lies frozen in the Minnesota ground for six to seven months. But two weeks ago, there it was right on time. Two months from now, it's gonna turn into the brightest red lily that blows me away. And for every fish, bird, or flower, or my dog, Blue, there's only two possibilities, two possible explanations. It's either luck or the wow of God's creation. Second wow is this, the uniqueness of every human being. Love the Bible, what it says, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that you are wonderfully made just how God wanted you to be? Every single one of you is wonderfully made. It means you are not an accident. I was one of five kids growing up in our home, but when my baby sister Jan was born six years after Debbie, I, was, I said, hey, mom. I said, was Jan sort of an accident? And without missing a beat, she said, you are all accidents. And I'm like, but here's the thing about that. Your parents maybe didn't plan you, but God did. God made you fearfully and wonderfully made you are not an accident. I love the detail, by the way, in Psalm, in this Psalm 139. It says, God, you knit me, you knit me together. I don't know a lot about knitting, really don't care about knitting. But I, I do think this, that it starts with a plan. And then every stitch, every whatever they do, every little thing, there has to be knitted, stitched together, every little detail according to that plan. God says, look, I knit you. I put you together just the way I wanted you to be. You are wonderfully made. And gang, God never makes a mistake. Again, science can explain how a microscopic sperm out of 20 million, that's the math on that deal, one out of 20 million unites with a female egg that then becomes a living, thinking, breathing, talking human being. We know how that happens, but it should not happen. And to know that that tiny cell contains all the DNA that determines a person's height, hair, eye color, IQ, personality, who then becomes Bob Merritt or Jason Strand. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be miraculous. Or Bubba Watson or Carrie Underwood. I mean, you know, it's either, it's all by chance or luck or just, you know, explosion. Or there's a creator. Does it ever wow you? It ought to wow you every single day that out of 20 million cells, the one that had your name on it, the one that had your eyes, height, personality, found the egg and your unique life began one out of 20 million. It wows me every time. And gang, to know that God planned you to be uniquely you. I love how Mark Batterson, pastor, great pastor, by the way, out of Washington, he says it this way, there's never been and never will be another you. Think of that. You are unlike anybody who's ever lived, but that uniqueness isn't a virtue, it's a responsibility. I love that. Uniqueness is God's gift to you, and it's your gift 
to God, he's saying that the God who planned you, he broke the mold when he knit you together, one of a kind, for a unique purpose that God wants you to fulfill. The other day I was at the gym using the weights and every guy in, in the weight room notices what other guys are lifting and we secretly observe how big their muscles are compared to yours. So I was in there lifting weights and by weights I mean these little three pound things that I have to use for a shoulder injury and they're purple. <laughs> little purple weights. And I was lying down and I actually brought one. <laughs> I was lying down on my little mat with my little purple weights and I was doing this. When in walked, no kidding, I was there alone in the back room, when in walked two of the biggest gorillas, monsters, <laughs> tattoos, both had skull caps, unshaven beasts. And there I was on my little mat no kidding, doing this. And they set up behind me, and there's a big mirror in front, set up behind me, and they were lifting 60 pounds. They were grunting and groaning. And they looked at me, and I, I, I'll bet they thought, wow, that's really bad. I don't ever want to be like that guy. But I'll tell you what, I didn't care. I didn't care one bit, and here's the reason, because I had found my purpose a long time ago. I know what my purpose is. It's to teach and lead and love my family, and I get to live that purpose out every single day. So I just kept doing my thing on that little mat, and I'm good with it. <laughs> here's my question. Are you good with it? Are you good with how God made you to be uniquely you? Or are you trying to be somebody you're not? I tell lots of people, I'm telling you, lots of people never figure out who God made them to be, their true identity. So here's what they do. They find a substitute, a false identity. They make their muscles their identity. They make their appearance their identity or their degrees. Look at the degrees I have. That's who I am. Or a sports team, they say, you know, say, who are you? What are, well, man, I'm a fan of, really? That's who you are? You know, you wear your jersey around and you don't play. That's who, it's incredible to me. Nothing wrong with cheering sports, I love that. Some people, it's financial status, that's their identity. The Bible says that our true identity is found in Christ in who Jesus made us to be. Ephesians says it this way, you, every single one of you, are God's, I love this, masterpiece. Do you know that about yourself? You are God's masterpiece, perfectly designed, created in Christ, or I might say this, recreated in Christ, rediscovered in Christ, forgiveness and wholeness. And you, you know, the false identities fall away because now you know who Christ is and he's in you and you in him. So if you spend all your time trying to be somebody you're not or wishing you had somebody else's personality, abilities, appearance, you are going to risk 
missing who God made you to be. There will always be somebody better than you. There will always be somebody stronger, pretty, and more talented than you. And gang, we can either spend our life trying to be somebody we're not and being frustrated or finally being wowed by who God made you to be. Do you know who God made you to be? There's always been better speakers, writers, leaders than me. Sometimes I'll listen to somebody speak and I'll think, man, I wish I could do that. And I've got to stop myself and remember that God made me to be uniquely me. And if I don't do that, I can miss my purpose. The Bible says your your identity is found in Christ and who God made you to be. And there is a wow in there somewhere. It might be hidden by a pattern of sin or suppressed by some bad habits, but there is a wow in there somewhere. And you gotta discover that as you get close to God. Stop trying to be somebody else, gang. And start thanking God for the amazing person he made you to be. Third wow is this, change life. I mean, nothing wows me more Nothing wows me more than when a once angry man becomes a loving husband and a caring dad, when a proven liar repents of his or her sin and now lives a life of honesty and purity. Nothing wows me more when a greedy person who's been driven by money and possessions releases their grip and becomes generous toward God and others. The Bible says that when we put our trust in God, that God begins to remove the old life of sin and he brings a new life of love, joy, honesty, generosity. In fact, just to illustrate this a little bit, I walked around our offices just a couple days ago and asked some of our staff how God has changed your life. Watch this, then I'll come back and finish. All right, everybody, we're going to walk around our office today and just interview quickly some of our staff and have them answer the question, how has God changed your life? I think where he's changed me and continues to change me is just patience is the word that comes to mind. There wasn't a moment in my life where it was just, I'm changed. I just have these promptings where just God tells me to slow down and be patient and show that grace. When I reflect back, one of the most notable areas would be um, in judgment. You know, I'm, I'm coming up in my 20-year reunion. Man, who I was, how that played out as a high school student, and then to, like, look at where I am today. Not that the struggle's not there, but realizing I'm a totally different person. If you had come and asked me this yesterday, I wouldn't have been able to even have this conversation with you because I would have been crying. (laughs) Um, Because God has been working in me and I feel like where I struggle is feeling like I'm just not enough as a mother. I'm not enough as a daughter. Um, I'm not enough as a coworker. (laughs) Although in my head, I can tell myself that's not true. In my heart, I don't always believe it. Hi. How are you guys? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. If I were to ask you, how has God changed your life? What would you say? 
so many ways. I wouldn't be here in this role. Um, I'm not sure I'd be married or where my um, kids would be. Um, it has completely changed our family and I think the trajectory of our family for generations. So I think in day-to-day -day life, uh, I don't know what I'd do without him. Yeah, my life before Christ, it was obviously all about me. I mean, he's changed my character completely. If God was not in your life, what would you be like? Um, I would have been divorced. I would have lost my relationship with my kids because my desire to succeed in my career or to succeed financially was more important. I don't think I would have been able to maintain intimacy with my wife because you seek pleasures outside of your relationship just to feed your own ego and to feed that approval addiction that really is kind of my own shadow mission at times. Um, but instead using that for God's glory and not my own, I mean, that's why when you say God changed my character, I'd be a mess, I'd be a wreck. It would be dark. It would, it would look like depression and anxiety and me being filled with anger and resentment. Without God in my life, it would all be about me. You know, if I could make up my own morals, I would. Uh, make as much money, live however I want to, look at whatever I want to, drink whatever I want to. It's changed me to where I am today. I look back and I would have been a totally different person. So why, why do you think Jesus is the answer to all the struggles that people have in life? So I still deal with pain. I think we all do. Um, but I would have no hope without him because I know he's right there with me. And I know that one day I'll get to spend eternity with him. And so having that hope helps me get through the pain. While Jesus has done things in my life that are unexplainable and can only be attributed to something outside of what this world can explain. The countless stories of people that I know or have seen their stories unfold in our church where their lives, they've overcome an addiction, a major addiction, a major um, emotional struggle, a major marriage struggle, whatever it is. Through their strength? Through their power? No, through a power outside of themselves where they can only say that's only because of Jesus. I've seen their lives transformed and they don't have an explanation only, they don't have an explanation outside of what God has done in their life. The greatest wow is a changed life, and some of you, by the way, are sitting next to a wow. Some of you are sitting next to a husband who wanted nothing to do with God, and now he's leading his family to church. Some of you maybe are sitting next to a young person, a son or daughter, who is in full rebellion, and now they're pursuing faith because God has done a new work and they are leaving the old life and finding a new one. Some of you may be sitting next to a friend or a classmate at one time, wanted nothing to do with God, and now they're in a Bible study at school. It's the greatest wow. Two days, uh, 
before our Easter services began, my, my wife made an appointment with a repairman, and he was going to come to our house, but she was going to be in Missouri visiting my daughter, so I was stuck waiting for the repairman. Thankfully, he was on time, but when I opened the door to meet him, our dog broke through the gate and slid right into him and almost took him out, but he didn't mind, I guess, because he had a couple of labs at home, he said, and so he got right down there with my dog and wrestled around with him, and we started talking about dogs and life and things, and Jim was in no hurry that day. He finally got around to fixing the problem, which took about three minutes, and after he was done, instead of leaving right away, he again, put down his equipment and just played with our dog and wanted to jibber-jabber with me. Finally, it dawned on me that maybe Jim was in my house for a different reason, that maybe God wanted Jim to be there when my wife was gone so that I could have a conversation with him. So I said, hey, Jim, I said, are you a church guy? He said, no, are you kidding me? I don't go to church. I said, uh, where do you live? He said, well, just north of here. I said, uh, have you heard of Eagle Brook Church? He said, the big one, right? <laughs> I said, man, it's, it's just three miles from your house. It's Easter. You should come. He said, ah, I'm telling you, I, I, I have nothing to do with church. No interest whatsoever. And I said, man, you have nothing to lose. You got to give it a shot, see what it's like. And he said, okay. Easter is not when Jesus was born, right? I said, right. That's Christmas. I said, Jesus, you know, came to this earth. God sent his son, was born through a virgin birth. And as soon as the words were coming out of my mouth, I thought, this must sound so weird that God would send his son and through a virgin birth and he'd grow up and get crucified and then rise. I'm like, so I backed up. By the way, quick time out, people in our culture more and more have no clue what Easter and Christmas is all about. And so be patient with them. And so I backed up and I started talking about things about creation and who Jesus was and evidence for God and those kind of things. And that started a barrage of questions that Jim just unloaded about evolution, dinosaurs, Adam and Eve. I don't know. I sat, I sat at my counter answering question after question. Jim was like, what about this? What about that? What about this? He said, I believe when you die, that's it. Lights out. He said, what do you think about that? I said, well, that's a popular belief. I said, there's a name to it. Nihilism. It's a belief that when you die, it's over, you're done, that's it. But then I said, Jim, what would be the purpose of living? I mean, why even try? <laughs> you know, why even love people or have a family if all we do is just die someday and become food for, food for the worms? I said, Jim, God loves you. God created you, wants a relationship with you. I put my iPhone on the counter and I said, look at this iPhone. Clearly somebody made this, right? Somebody designed it. He said, yeah. I said, but look at you. We're having this conversation, Mike. Look at you. You are a miracle of God's creativity. Far more complex than this iPhone that's sitting on my counter. Are you telling me you are not designed by God? 30 minutes later, he got a call from work, and he said, I'll be there in a minute. 30 minutes later, same thing. I'll be there in a minute. No kidding. <laughs> An hour later, Jim looked at me, and he said, by the way, who are you? I said, man, you don't want to know, really. Let's just move on. He said, come on. 
who are you? I said, well, I, I, I'm a pastor at that church I mentioned. He said, well, what's your role? I said, I'm kind of the guy. I'm kind of the lead guy. And he said, I said, of all the houses, Jim, you think of this, of all the houses you could have come to today, you got me. He said, you're probably mad at me for all these questions. I said, not at all. I said, I'm so glad you're asking these questions. I think God brought you to my house for a reason. I said, Jim, God loves you. And the reason I'm sitting here answering these questions for now two hours, the only reason is because I care about you and your wife. And I think you should bring all your questions and come this weekend to Easter at our church and see what God does. He says, ah, I don't know. I said, look, go to our cafe, order anything you want, all on me. No kidding. He said, do you serve beer? He had no, he had no clue. No idea. And this is so, so common. I said, no, we don't serve beer. But here's the deal. If you come to Easter, I'll buy you a six-pack. <laughs> Whatever it takes. An hour later, he left our house, and he didn't make a commitment to church. But you know what would wow me? More than anything, is if Jim and his wife would come to know the God who loves him. And he'd get his life in order, and he'd find out who he is, and he'd have a home in eternity one day with, with God in heaven. And what should wow Jim just a little bit, I think, is that of all the guys he could have met that day, God stuck him alone with me. And I'm not done with this guy yet. I know where he works, <laughs> and he's going to be invited back. You know, after my wife read my message this week. She said, Bob, what do you want people to remember? I said, what do you think? She said, I think you want us to go away with two things, an increased awareness of what God has created for us. Think of what God has created for you and what God has created us for. And she's right. God has created for us a world and a life that should, I'm telling you, should wow us every single day. And then God created each one of you as a masterpiece, uniquely designed by God, created, recreated in Christ to do good works that God wants us to do. So gang, how's your wow? How's your wow? If you've lost your wow recently, maybe one of these seven words will help you restore it. The first word we talked about was yes. And maybe some of you need to say yes to Jesus Christ or say yes again. Let him wow you with his love. Let him wow you with his forgiveness and his grace. For others of you, maybe it's the word no. And you need to say no to some things, some craziness in your life, some patterns and habits that just are destructive. And it's time to say no. For some of you, thanks. Who have you thanked lately? And have you thanked God? God just thanks for this life, for this day. Maybe for some of you, it's help. God, I need help. Wow me with your healing touch. For some of us, it's this word enough. Just enough stuff 
enough craziness, enough trying to keep up with the Joneses. Let them win. It's not worth it. Just enough. For some of us, it's the word sorry. God, I'm so sorry. Or maybe it's somebody that you've hurt. I'm so sorry. Let God wow you with his goodness and his grace. Seven words that can change your life. Let all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer. We'll be on our way. God, thank you for uh, reminding us who you are and who we are. Masterpieces created in Christ to do the works, God, that you want us to do. Masterpieces perfectly knit together, planned, designed, wanted. Wow. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Wow. Every day, wow. For giving me your grace, for being patient. I'll never get over it. Lord, I pray that you will just bless every single person standing here watching online, that you will wow them. They'll turn to you and they'll experience you in a new way today and this week. God, we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. God bless all of you.